I want to pick up with the image that we left off with last weekend, which was this image of each of us being a light in this darkened world, a world that so desperately needs it. What does that look like? How can we be a light in the world? How many of us instead maybe feel like the deaf and the mute man we hear about in today's gospel? Maybe we don't, we don't hear God, we don't hear what he's saying to us, we don't know how to talk about it. Maybe when we're pressed or questioned about something in our faith, we find ourselves tongue-tied. We don't really know how to, how to get it out. That's been me plenty of times. Maybe we don't even get that far. Maybe we don't really think or talk about the faith that much outside of this building. It may not totally be our fault. Maybe we've just never been taught how to do that. We haven't encountered Jesus in a way that elicits that response. St. Paul says in his letter to the Romans that faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes from the preaching of Jesus Christ. So if we want to be able to speak about the faith, or even to believe it, we first have to hear it. We have to hear Jesus speak it to us. See, there's a reason why the man we hear in the gospel today is both deaf and mute. Because if we don't first hear... We're never going to be able to speak about it. And Jesus does, and he does, speak to us in many, many different ways. But we have a problem in this world in that many of us are like the deaf man. We can't hear Jesus speaking. We're spiritually deaf to the word that God's continually trying to speak to us. It's not that he stops speaking. He always has and always will continue to call out to us. But we stop listening. We've drowned him out in this world with, filled with so many other noises and voices. One thing I heard repeatedly in the listening sessions that we held a couple weeks ago was that we wanted to fill these pews again. We wanted to bring people back to the church. That we wanted to give new life to Annunciata. How can we do that? See, Father Mike and I are only two people. We can only do so much. And I'm only here for another month. So we need you. We all have to talk about the faith. We all have to be evangelists. We all have to evangelize our families, our homes, our co-workers, our friends. We all have to be disciples. And the key to being a disciple, to being this evangelist, is to listen. Because we can't speak... If we don't first listen, we have to be hearers of the word if we're we're going to hope to speak about it, but we've become deaf. Because we're deaf, we're mute. We can't speak about it. And the spread of the gospel is halted. So how can we hear Jesus speaking in our lives? I want to pull two things out from the gospel today that that deal precisely with this question of how we can hear Jesus. The first one comes from the very first sentence of the Gospel. Jesus left the district of Tyre and went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and to the district of the Decapolis. Now, if we're not familiar with our ancient Middle Eastern geography, that sentence doesn't hold a lot of meaning for us. Let me try to translate it a little bit. Jesus left Homa and went by way of Baton Rouge to New Orleans. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If 
if I was here and I wanted to go to New Orleans, I definitely wouldn't cut through Baton Rouge. That's the wrong way. So where Jesus was, he was headed to the Decapolis, which is east. But Sidon was north. So why would he go that way? It seems like he's going the wrong way. We're just coming off a of summer vacation. Uh, it's a time when a lot of people you know, take trips. They travel. And when we talk about traveling, there's usually two types of people. You have those people who are all about the destination, and you have those people who are all about the journey. And usually you know, who you, you know which one you fall into. If you're traveling with someone, you know which one they fall into too. There's pros and cons to both. If you're all about the destination, then you may prone to, you know, you just want to get there. You're impatient. And so in that, in that desire just to get there, you miss out on the joy of the actual journey. But if you're all about the journey, you can lose focus as to where you're going. You lose sight of the goal. If you're traveling, it's important to know where you're going and to actually get to where you're going. So I imagine that Jesus' disciples had a mixture of these kind of people. So when Jesus says, we're headed to the Decapolis, but then he starts heading the wrong way, imagine some of the disciples would have been like, uh, Jesus, we need to go the other way. But I think Jesus knew what he was doing. He was intentionally taking a longer way because he wanted to spend time with his disciples. Some scholars say that this trip in Jesus' time would have taken up to eight months. So Jesus intentionally took eight months to spend time with his disciples, to get to know them, for them to get to know him, to encounter him, to focus on that relationship. Because you see, being a disciple isn't about learning as much as we can or taking classes or anything like that. The most important thing about being a disciple is to live with the master so that we can learn to live like the master. Jesus is showing us here that more than anything else, if our ears are, before our ears can be opened, before our mouths can be loosed, he wants to spend time with us. He wants to get to know us for us to encounter him so that in that relationship our ears and our mouths can be opened. He does this constantly throughout the Gospels. Before he works a miracle, before he does some big act, he always takes his disciples apart and spends time with them. So that they can really hear him speak to their hearts. The second thing that I want to pull out is really closely connected to the first. And deals with how we should spend that time with Jesus. Tell me if this day sounds at all familiar. Alarm goes off. Jump in the shower. Grab a cup of coffee. Get the kids ready. Jump in the car. Head out. There's traffic. Turn the radio on. either music or talk radio. Maybe drop the kids off, get to the office. There's text messages, voicemails, emails waiting, there's meetings. Maybe you're in class all day or lectures all day long. Finish, get back in the car. There's more traffic, horns going, maybe a gesture or two. Finally get home, cook dinner, help the kids with homework. More text messages, emails, the TV's on, the phone's always making noise. Go to bed and repeat. I think a lot of our days can be characterized like that, myself included. Characterized by, by noise and by busyness. There's a philosopher, his name was Soren Kierkegaard. He said this, If I could prescribe one remedy 
for all that ills the modern world, I would prescribe silence. Because even if the word of God were proclaimed, no one would be able to hear it. There's too much noise. Therefore, create silence. The crazy thing is, is that he said this in 1840, over 150 years ago. So why is silence so important? Because many of our lives, maybe not all, but most of us, are plagued with fear, with anxiety, with worry, with doubt. Whether it's about ourselves, about a loved one, about the world, about finances, whatever it is. And it weighs on us. It hangs heavy in our hearts. And the purpose of silence isn't just to do nothing, but it's to listen. To hear Him. To hear Him speak to you, do not be afraid. Take heart. I am coming to save you, and I will do it. To hear Him speak precisely to that fear or that anxiety or that worry, and to watch Him redeem it. To hear Him call you by name. Because we need that encounter, that relationship, if we ever want to have our ears opened and then speak about it. Because once we hear that, we can't help but speak about it. Because that encounter is life-changing. And that love and that relationship becomes the thing that decides everything. But we have to give Him both the time and the space to be able to do that. So I want to give you a challenge, a concrete challenge. This church is open usually 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning every day. It's open all day long until at least 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Even better, just five minutes away at Holy Rosary, there's a perpetual adoration chapel where Jesus is always exposed, waiting. 30 minutes once a week. Silent time before the Lord. Telling Him your anxieties and your worries, your joys and your sufferings, whatever it is. Putting that before Him and giving Him the time and the space to speak directly to that. To speak to your heart. Jesus wants to speak to each of us. To say, epitha, be opened. To cure us of our deafness. But there's no getting around the fact that if we want that, if we want to fill these pews up again, if we want to be the disciples that spread the gospel to a world that so desperately needs it, we have to take the time to listen to Him, to encounter Him, to get to know Him in our own lives. And that requires time and silence. It's as simple and as oftentimes irritatingly difficult as that. I know I wouldn't be here right now if someone hadn't given me the advice to start every day with that time of silence. And it's honestly that time of, of quiet time before the Lord in the Eucharist that gives me the grace to tackle each day. I wouldn't be here without that. That's the only way that our ears can be opened. The only way that we can hear God for ourselves in our own life calling us by name. By taking time away with Him. It's exactly what Jesus did in the gospel today. He took the man apart, away from the crowd. He spoke to him. His ears were opened. 
his mouth was loosed, and then he couldn't help but proclaim what had happened to him. That's how renewal happens. So if you want a little part in that renewal, if you desire just a little bit more out of your life, if you really want to go all in, give Jesus the time and the space to speak to your heart.